Good afternoon, morning, evening, night, whenever you find a way to see or listen to this podcast. It's my mom calling. Got to call her back. But um, so this week we're here to discuss with Dwayne, uh, you know, friend of the podcast, as usual. Sure. All familiar with Dwayne. But uh, like uh, earlier this week, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff released their schedule and they kind of snuck in um, on October 16th, 16th, a game against Alabama A&M at the Edward Jones Dome, or I mean, in St. Louis, I would assume it's Edward Jones Dome. I'm not sure if they put that as actual site, but I, I don't think they'll be playing at Bush Stadium. Um, they they, they added that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. They, I'm sorry to interrupt, Omar. They won't be. It, it will be at the Dome, but you know, the Dome now has a new name. It's oh, the uh, the Dome at America Center. Okay, right, right, okay. Yeah, so so lest I call it the wrong name. Yeah, I knew I knew it was like I mean everyone knows it's like the Edward Jones, you know. Oh, of um, course. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, like you so know what the people in St. Louis probably thinking the same way that you're thinking. Mama named it Ed Jones. I'm gonna call it Ed Jones. <laughs> yeah, the dome seems so generic. I mean, the dome at America Center <laughs> seems generic. But I mean, a huge game for Arkansas Pine Bluff in the second neutral site game that they have this year is they're playing the SWAT Classic against Jackson State, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is in the final week of uh, regular season play of the FCS season. So two huge neutral site games for uh, this program uh, that really hasn't had much exposure. I don't think they've made an appearance in the MEAC SWAT Challenge at all. Um, no. And if they have, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So no appearances there. So just two big neutral site games, uh, two, I guess I won't say high profile games, but uh, sort of marquee games for the SWAC schedule. So uh, I guess first off, uh, what are your initial thoughts with this, Dwayne? Um, it's, in, it's interesting, right? Because when you first brought, brought this game up to my attention, again, it's it, not only did they slip it in, it slipped past me, unfortunately, you know, not unfortunately, but of course, with it still being March and everything, I know that schedules are coming out, but I've also been focusing on basketball and track and field too, and was looking to get back to the schedules as soon as possible. But yeah, when you brought it to my attention, I'm like, okay, St. Louis, interesting site to have an HBCU um, game. I mean, it's the same thing as, as Indianapolis with the Circle City Classic, but the Circle City um, has most definitely worked um, in, in the Indy. So it's not to say that it can't work in St. Louis. Um, but I also discovered, knowing very little about um, HBCU games being played in the city of St. Louis, that there was a classic there um, dating back to 1993. And they were supposed to bring that game back in 2019 between, um, and I love the way that, the, well, first and foremost, the, the amount of information that's out about the, I think it was then called the St. Louis um, Heritage Classic back in 2019. Um, there's very little to no information on this game on the internet. And this, it was back in 2019, um, which is intriguing to me, but I completely understand why, um, because the game was canceled. So, you know, I, I didn't see, uh, much, uh, an advertisement for the game, but with the exception of the, uh, one Facebook group that they did start. But other than that, you know, there's not a lot of information on there, but, um, uh, the game before it, which was the, um, let me see if I can get this correct here. The Gateway, the Gateway City Classic um, also was held in Jones, Edward Jones Dome. Um, like I said before, started in, in, uh, tw- uh, in 1993, went on for about 20 years. And um, seems like it was more so a SWAT versus SEAC situation. And again, you know, we have more of an all-SWAT matchup. Right. So I'm intrigued to see exactly what this is going to look like um, with both uh, fan bases in uh, Alabama A&M and UAPB 
both being about five hours away from St. Louis. I mean, it, it is intriguing indeed. And just adding on to your research as well. Um, I mean, Arkansas Pine Bluff has drawn good crowds for, for this game. Uh, topping, I think, over over 30,000 for over half the games. I have about 12 games listed that they themselves played in in the Edward Jones Dome. Um, so, yeah, they drew good crowds, too. Uh, the highest crowd was actually a forty uh, crowd of 45,000, according to newspaper reports, uh, against Central State in 96. And I, I do – I want to say, was that uh, – was Billy Joe coaching at Central State in 96, or was that uh, – was he already moved on? Um, that is a wonderful question. Unfortunately, I do not have that answer um, at this exact moment. Let me check and see if I can find it while we're um, in the process of talking. But yeah, let's let's um. But but 1996. Uh, my guess off the top of my head was that that was one of those um, good years for for Central State. So I'm not necessarily too surprised that um, they probably drew relatively well um in attendance around that time frame yeah so i mean with that with that with that noted um it, it is a bit interesting that alabama AM is the opponent here i mean i guess there weren't many as many great options regionally um i guess looking forward looking looking back at past opponents that they have had in this classic uh pine books played the likes of howard twice um howard drawing some pretty strong crowds hampton once as well um, and then Tuskegee as well in the mid two thousands, and Tuskegee drew some pretty good crowds, including uh, almost thirty six thousand in oh five. So, with that in mind, um, I guess do you see that? Do you see Pine Bluff sort of targeting more of these HBCU brands? Do you see them uh, bringing Grambling to St. Louis for one of these games, or I guess is there a way that they can, I guess, optimize their opponent that they play in St. Louis? Well, if this is going to be a classic that's going to be uh, centralized around UAPB, it would behoove them to, to draw the likes of either Grambling, Jackson State, or Southern to that game, especially with the way that we already know that Grambling and currently Jackson State's fan base will travel um, to go see these matchups. Um, and, and then, of course, with, with, with uh, Southern and their no, name notoriety and their brand that they currently have, well, that they've always had, um, those would be the three schools that I would most definitely look to attach to potentially move that game to, Saint, to, to the city of St. Louis. So, so you can go ahead and try to have as large of a turnout as you possibly can if you continue to have that game in the dome of America's uh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm just going to stick with Edward Jones, the Eddie Jones dome. And so I won't continue to mess that name up. And I'll go ahead and correct myself. I should be ashamed of myself. I should know that back in 96, uh, Billy Joe was at FAMU. How dare I not know that? Because, of course, that was during my time. As I'm sitting here wearing an A&T hoodie, I should be lambasted for not knowing that Billy Joe was at FAMU in 96. How dare I? So, yes, um, shame on me for not being completely aware of that. Um, but, yeah, he was at, at, at um, Central uh, State up until 93. And... Um, but to your point, like I said before, it would be to their best interest if they want to continue to have this as an all-swag matchup to go after one of those three institutions to face them in that matchup. But I already know, based upon what's going on with the, with the Southern Heritage Classic, it's going to have to be in the fiscal benefit of Jackson State to make that travel and go there. Because I, I see now, especially with uh, Coach Sanders being there, um, that that's something that they're going to most definitely think about 
before they decide to do any other classics in any other space, uh, states to make sure that it makes sense for them financially. Exactly. I mean, and, and on the Jackson State note, I mean, everyone's pulling at them from all directions, too. Oh, of um, course. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, we haven't even mentioned the uh, Gulf Coast Challenge, like a new new game that has Jackson State playing in, like, that they're playing in as well. Um, mm-hmm. How they're pulling at them as well. I mean, like, a, I guess a classic of less repute than the um, than the Southern Heritage Classic. And, uh, shoot, I guess the SWAT Classic doesn't really have, have as much reputation, but it is run by the conference. Um, so it is within their benefit to play there. So that's, that's so a great it's point. It's run by the conference well. and, and the money that uh, uh, according to uh, – I'm going to go ahead and say Coach Prime said it. According to uh, to Coach Prime's um, data, it, it's something that financially makes sense to them. You know, they said that they're already making, I think um, – I, I think they said the number was $3 million, um, and the check has already been sent, according to him. So, yeah, it, it already makes fiscal sense for them to go ahead and play in that game and, um, and, and, and to do that. So – if the Gate City can go ahead and, and I'm not going to say necessarily match that number, I already know that they probably won't have three million to give Jackson State alone in order to play in that game. But if they can make it beneficial to the Tigers to travel, um, they'll end up doing it potentially. Even for just a one-off, I mean, just uh, I guess a new experience for that fan base is heading to St. Louis. I can't imagine um, how often they do travel there. Um, I also want to ask you in terms of opponent, like, do you see a uh, sort of either Langston or Lincoln making an appearance in the game? Uh, because I guess in terms of travel, in terms of cost, I mean, those two schools, I mean, I think I think they make the most sense. They may they definitely aren't huge brands, but they are local. There are local programs that don't really have the exposure. And I know Langston uh, had a couple of games against Grambling, maybe just one, you know, at at Arrowhead Stadium. So uh, there is appetite for that fan base to travel to these big cities and NFL venues. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. And and I <laughs> that matchup you just said between Lincoln, Missouri. Um, and, uh, yeah, cause I want to go ahead and make sure I, I got that correct as well. But again, for whatever reason, that game in St. Louis does not, there's not a lot of information out there on it. And when it said Lincoln university, and I'm trying to figure out exactly which Lincoln they were referring to. Um, I did discover that it was of course, Lincoln of Missouri, not Lincoln, Pennsylvania. And then also discovering that their game in 2019, like I said earlier, was canceled. So to your point of closeness of proximity, Yes, it makes great sense because it, uh, uh, Lincoln is one of the closest, if not the closest, HBT, HBTU to St. Louis. And then, of course, there's several other HBCUs that are in that area. But, of course, all of them are about four hours away, like you said, Lincoln. Also, and I'm, and I'm naming HBCUs that, that have football programs currently, um, Tennessee State. Um, I want to go ahead and say Lane is nearby. That's another option that they can look at, too. Um, if you're talking about potentially uh, a, a lane option and maybe even a lane in, in Kentucky State, Kentucky State is, is relatively close by as well, as well as um, uh, 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 so yeah, lane, TSU, um, Kentucky State and Lincoln are the closest. And then, of course, you have um, Fisk, Meharry and Lemoy Owens that don't have uh, football programs, but it would be nice for those um, students and alums of that area to go to St. Louis and potentially go to the game as well. Absolutely. I mean, just plenty of options there too, like more than one would think, I guess, in the 
yeah, I guess Midwest. I guess St. Louis is is, is the Midwest. Um, yeah. But I guess yeah, I guess I, I guess uh, fan base is a concern for those schools. I'm not sure about attendance numbers at the at the D2 level, and I guess NAIA for Links. I think Links is NAIA, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at yeah. that level as well. But um, maybe something for them to explore. I mean, I don't think that. I guess given the given the circumstance of the schedule, I don't think Alabama AM was like a strange choice, but it's not optimal. I mean, uh, I don't think the Bulldogs, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't have any information about them traveling well, uh, but I, I think that's a tough trip for them to ask out of I mean, going all the way from Huntsville to St. Louis. Uh, and I mean, again, like it's again, it's I guess it's not a sort of school that would inspire, I guess, like the local crowd to come out, um, especially with the pool glass gone um, and them sort of taking a step back uh, this last year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with that team. Of course, Coach Maynard is looking to rebound that program. Um, after their performance from this past season. And then, of course, with Akeel Glass um, not being there, you know, with him leaving the program and graduating. I want, I want to make sure I say graduating the program. You know, with the transfer portal, whenever you see a guy's leaving, nowadays you never know why he's leaving. But he's graduating from Alabama and um, hopefully he gets an opportunity to go pro. With as quarterback hungry as NFL teams are, I wish that someone would go ahead and take a fire on this guy who in my opinion, uh, 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 observation is, of course, NFL ready with his pocket presence and ability to throw the ball, but that's a whole other conversation for another time. Since we're talking about the uh, the St. Louis um, Gate City Classic here, um, like you said, both, and I think I may have said it earlier too, with UAB, um, UAPB, and Alabama AM being about five hours away and not being necessarily hugely known entities. I don't know what their draw would currently be in the in the in the um, in the city of St. Louis, but to have two HBCUs there, two HBCU bands performing there, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say would would help hopefully help that um, attendance there. But my thing is, of course, with it being in the Eddie Jones Dome, um, my hope for this game at least is that if they continue to want to do this and they want to go ahead and continue to have this as an ongoing um, matchup or at least an ongoing classic that they may want to rethink moving a game to, I think the name of, the, of that company is the Centuri Stadium, which is going to be the uh, the home of the St. Louis City um, Soccer Club, the, the, the new soccer team that's going to be moving to St. Louis, that arena, which holds under 23,000. And we've discussed this before many times on our, on our, um, on our uh, conversations that, of course, soccer arenas, the soccer stadiums, that is, are great venues for HBCU attended, well, HBCU football games because of its quaintness and its, um, you know, the, the capacity of those stadiums to be under 25,000, and which is more so a reachable and attainable goal for attendance and also, of course, the, opposite, the optics of having a game there in that stadium, um, making it look more packed um, if it's going to be broadcasting on television. Um and then, of course, it's a smaller venue to rent out. So, yeah, I'd say once that stadium is complete in 2023, that would potentially be an option for them to potentially move that game to. Yeah, definitely. Um, and again, of course, it all comes down to cost too. Um, with the, I guess those venues being cheaper to rent, which is always key for um, I guess HBCU programs and programs in general, uh, not mm-hmm. just just single them out. Uh, I guess finally, before uh, we move on to I guess the bigger picture topic um, in terms of conferences, uh, what do you think about the Sunday um, kickoff? Um, I mean, it's it's weird. Um, I, I want to say that maybe it's something for like normalcy. I guess so. It's not so. It's not like they're competing with the 
with the Missouri Tigers or uh, UIC or Il- Illinois at Champaign, uh, Urbana-Champaign. Um, so not competing with their games. And I also want to say part of it, too, is just having football on a Sunday in St. Louis might uh, inspire some people to go. But it, it is it, it is tough, um, I guess, to play college football on a Sunday. Like, I mean, it, it's not normal. I know uh, Mississippi Valley State and Southern did it this past year at, uh, with mixed results. But uh, I just kind of get I want to get your opinion on that. Oh, you mean uh, having a game on Sunday during the football, during the NFL season? Yeah, during the NFL season. Yeah, because, you know, let's not forget that actually I think there there were two games in week zero last year with uh, Tennessee State. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, it was Tennessee State and Grambling and uh, Jackson State and Florida A&M in that that, uh, Labor Day Sunday um, slot. Uh, But, of course, not competing against the NFL. I would say to their benefit, being that, you know, St. Louis is not an NFL city, that might be an attraction. But <laughs> I, I say with, of course, it being an NFL Sunday, it combined that with the fact that the Rams, yes, even though they're currently in Los Angeles, there's still a possibility that there are still Ram fans in the in the St. Louis region. And, and it didn't help that they just won the Super Bowl um, recently too. So if they are fans... It, it might be a little difficult to pull them away from a Sunday if the Rams aren't necessarily playing on a Monday that particular weekend. But, um, yeah, my guess is that they wanted to go ahead and fill a void of no NFL and on well, no football on Sundays in St. Louis by having an HBCU football game there, which is also going to be difficult in terms of having, um, well, God, beyond difficult if they decide to broadcast that game on a national network, you know, because I know ESPN won't do it on their um their, their their cable networks. They may do it on ESPN Plus. Matter of fact, it might not even have to be on ESPN Plus. How did I completely forget? Now I don't know Omar if you're familiar with this news, but Byron Allen, yes, that Byron Allen, the former comedian, um, of course he's dealt with the um with media, of course with him buying out the uh, the Weather Channel and having other networks as well. But HBO, uh, HB, I say HBO, I'm so used to saying HBO Go, but HBCU Go, which is one of his networks, which is also going to be a streaming app of his too, will start broadcasting all uh, all SWAC, I'm about to call it SWAC, but all SWAC games, and I mean all games, not just football, but basketball, men's and women's, and all of the other uh, Olympic sports as well that are, um, that are played by SWAC schools. So yeah, that's going to be a wonderful outlet for them. Yeah, that was an announcement that was actually made uh, just this past weekend. So it's, it's a game that's going to be broadcasted. And I know that that's something that that um, McClendon, the, the commissioner, Charles McClendon, the commissioner of the SWAC, said that that was, um, uh, well, he, le- he actually said that having an approved presentation for his games was ideal for him to, to start broadcasting or, or at least signing some sort of contract or agreement with a potential network to broadcast their games. And with Byron Allen and, and um, his financial capabilities to broadcast games, I would say that that most definitely was a, um, a viable um, option for him. And then also to make it even better, HBCU Go it's also a free streaming network. So it's not a, um, a streaming network where people will end up having to buy a subscription for, and it makes it that much easier for not just HBCU 
um, football fans, but college football fans in general to come and watch that game. Yeah, that's something I overlooked for sure. Um, I mean, television, of course, like uh, we've seen like with the fall in, in attendance like this year, um, how I guess television is king when it comes to viewing uh, college football. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's an obstacle. But if anything, I feel like that they did have that in mind in terms of um, I guess it was more for the local audience in terms of or, or more for the local audience than it was for the national audience, um, uh, the scheduling it on a Sunday. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see how it plays out um, because generally, like, I guess with last year's game with uh, Southern and Jack, or Southern and Mississippi Valley State, you had a, you had a game in a non NFL market, um, mm-hmm. and I mean, it drew I think a ten thousand. So I mean, I'm not sure what expectation people had for the attendance numbers, but drew ten thousand. Um, a little bit of a different case, of course, former NFL market, but no team, you know. Nothing to do, on, nothing to do on a Sunday, so it could draw people. So, um, we'll be interesting to see for sure. But, uh, looking at the bigger picture, uh, we have just again the SWAC making more moves for these landmark events, and the MEAC continues to not do anything. But, uh, and again, like we see th- that on the field, like the MEAC hasn't really, I guess, you know, dropped, like, or hasn't really missed a step in terms of the uh celebration bowl. I mean. And it was a dominant performance by South Carolina State, but I guess with the SWAC continuing to just have these sort of great uh, re- revenue generating events, um, can the MIAC continue to do nothing in your eyes, or does a does a play on the field talk for itself? Well, can it? In my opinion, no, it can't. Will they? Is the one I'll go ahead and say probably yes until they can until they somehow are capable of figuring out a viable option to make uh, a a football classic work within that conference. Because let's be real, um, even though the majority of the, actually I'm going to go ahead and say all of the teams that are currently in uh, the MEAC, well, with the exception of Norfolk State, um, well, even Norfolk State, they've all, all those teams have been there for well over 20 years now at this point, but they aren't necessarily um, in-state rivals or, strong neighboring state rivals. Uh, yes, North Carolina and Virginia with Norfolk State and, and North Carolina Central. And then, of course, with them two teams um, being first and second place within the conference last year might seem like a current day rival for uh, supremacy within the conference. But it's not nothing to hang your hat on in terms of having a huge attendance draw for that game in a city outside of both Durham and, and Norfolk. The same could be said about North Carolina Central and South Carolina State. Again, a neighboring state um, a neighboring state game, but I don't know how that would necessarily say work, say like in a Charlotte or in, um, no, it would probably work well in Charlotte because it's close enough in proximity for both those two teams to drive to. But say if you were to hold that game, say in, I'm trying to think of a neighboring large city on the East Coast, Richmond. How about Richmond? That makes perfect sense in, in this analogy, right? Say if if Norfolk State, not Norfolk, uh, even, well, no, because Norfolk State would close. Let's say Central and South Carolina State wanted to have the game either in, well, in Richmond. How would that work? I don't know if it would. It would probably be beneficial for them to do it in, like, Charleston or whatever. But, um yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I I just don't see a matchup in the MEAC that would work 
in an in, in an attendance um, based situation of more than fifteen thousand, and, and and I'm using fifteen thousand as a minimum to travel in a city that's not in the city where those two schools currently reside, yeah. that is not happening in New York and doesn't involve Howard University. I don't see it. I really don't. I mean, and I know that was a tough. long description to make it make sense, but I hope everybody followed me on that. Well, I definitely followed. I mean, yeah, it's tough too because I mean, it reaches a point where you're trying to like create these rivalries and like force them to be rivals. Uh, I mean, force rivalries to happen. I mean, yeah, the school's been conference mates for a while, but of course, uh, you know, their big rivals when it comes to either like Norfolk State or North Carolina Central have gone elsewhere. And I guess Hampton for that matter, or Howard for that matter too, like they've gone elsewhere too. So, you, I mean, you don't want to create something that I guess isn't there, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, something that does fascinate me on this front is this year with the Duke's Mayo Classic with uh, the, the North Carolina Central and North Carolina a and It looks like this will be the headline game for uh, for that classic. Uh, unlike, I know this year, they had the two games and with App State ECU being pushed to uh, Thursday night, despite being, frankly, the better game uh, as, it, as it shaped out than, than Georgia <laughs> Clemson. Uh, this looks like Saturday, I mean, Saturday afternoon, probably, I don't see this being a night game. Saturday afternoon, like this game will be the headliner for that city. Um, but despite the uh, despite them playing for the next um, for the foreseeable future, the I mean, uh, Bank of America Stadium only has them scheduled for 2022 and 2027. So maybe this year's a test run for that game, uh, attendance wise. Um, and we'll see, I guess, if uh, Bank of America wants that game to be, a, you know, I guess, a leg of the Duke's Mail Classic, but it's looking like that's unlikely too. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I just don't see a future where the MEAC does anything like to sort of do their own MEAC Classic. Because if you look at, excuse me, if you look at the uh, the venues in the region that would make sense, like uh, Legion Field is a venue that's just like, you know, asking to host games, honestly. Like uh, they had the Tuskegee Morehouse Challenge move there this past year. Um Frankly, you know, I guess not to the benefit, I think, to of either school, but that's another discussion for another time. Um, but and then the SWAT classic these next couple of years, like there's no really, I guess, old venues in the mid-Atlantic that are really like searching for, I guess, new life or just hanging on, really. I mean, if you're gonna host something, it's gonna be at either, you know, MT Bank Stadium for, if you're Morgan State, it's gonna be at MetLife. Uh, even though they could they could explore the um the New York Red Bulls uh stadium for you know, I guess for cops purposes, but again, like that's the outskirts of New York city. I mean, it's in Jersey, not really the same, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have that as an option. You have of course, Audi field for, for Howard and they're making that work with Hampton. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just no sort of Legion fields that are hanging on for, uh, for dear life anymore. So yeah, I kind of see them just, uh, kind of, I guess standing pat. And if anything, I think um, the MIAC will make its name more in non-conference games. Because, I mean, even this year, there's some marquee opponents, at least looking at Central schedule right now. Like that game against New Hampshire, um, the Huskies have fallen. They've fallen on, on tough times, but that's still kind of a name brand program in FCS circles, at least I think. Uh, at least growing up, I mean, the name I think of, I got to find a new star player to reference other than Ricky Santos. I mean, he's coaching there now, <laughs> but um, I always think about Ricky Santos and David Ball, you know, and I think of New Hampshire being a brand name. So, yeah, I guess, I guess in a long roundabout way as well, like, I mean, I agree. Like, honestly, like, I don't see them doing anything, but, um, you know, depending on the MEAC SWAC challenge and the Celebration Bowl to sort of, you know, get that wrap up. 
Yeah, most definitely. Um, but to your point, well, two things. One, like you've already stated, the uh, the Dukes Mayo uh, Classic, of course, have their game set up until around 2007, two, well, 2027, 2028, um, with who their opponents are going to be, maybe even a little bit further out than that. But yeah, they went ahead and decided to slate A&T and Central in those two years, clearly, with those two year spots. Um, it's not necessarily a test. Uh, I guess it's going to be a test for, for future dates if they continue to, to do the, the Dukes Mayo Classic if the attendance uh, works well with the matchups that they uh, are going to run with for the next um, five years. But yeah, I'm, I'll be intrigued to see how that works out. Um, but yeah, to, to, to your point, um, the only other city or the only other stadium, which of course is, is I think it's now officially closed, um, that you compared to Legion Field, of course, is RFK that I can think of here in DC. That is an, an, an aging stadium that could potentially, well, well, again, it's closed. So, yeah, I, I, let's go ahead and, and scrap that part of, of, of that. Yeah, because there isn't another um, stadium within the region that will probably be capable of doing such a thing. But for years, it's always been part of the discussion that in terms of um, football culture, that the MEAC is nowhere near close to what the SWAC is in terms of how it's seen um, by its fan bases in terms of coming out and attending the games, not just within the cities where the, where the universities are, but potentially traveling to another city to go see them participate in, in a classic. It's nowhere close. Yeah. And I mean, maybe in this day, like we're kind of overselling the importance of, um, I guess these classics. I mean, I, I mean, classics come and go, even there's some that, that I guess on the, the decline, I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I think maybe the Chicago, the Chicago football classic may be on the decline um, after not having a game uh, this past year or, well, yeah, the past two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe, but um, again, like it's just sort of, I guess, an optics thing for a casual fan. Like you see like a big game in, in a big stadium, you think like, you know, you think big time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like like we'll we'll see for sure. And also doesn't it also doesn't help that I guess membership wise, like the MIAC can't have uh, a championship game, you know, where I guess they have like at least that uh that landmark game. Won't have a championship game. Make sure we get this correct. Won't have a championship game. And real quick, I still find it amazing why they choose not to have a championship game. Um, especially with the way that the SWEC has found a way to properly monetize having a championship game and the excuses that I keep hearing, well, the main excuse was originally that there weren't 12 teams within the conference in order to do it back when they had 11 teams. And I'm like, you know what? The SWEC was doing it with 10. Why can't you do it with 11? It makes no sense whatsoever. But then they decided that they wanted to try to do it in the spring of 2020 when there was only I think six teams participating in the spring only for them to finally drop it and, and, and drop everything because they were only left to three teams playing in the spring. And then of course, when asked, Hey, you now have an open date being that the amount of teams in the conference um, have been reduced. Why won't you have it? The answer was no, we're not going to do it without any explanation whatsoever. So that's just a missed opportunity at the time with then commissioner Dennis Thomas. My question is, Will Sandra Stills um, address it and decide to finally make a move and do that game and attempt to make some money from it? I mean, yeah, I mean, money, I guess, optics too. Like having a important game on championship weekend, um, 
you know, I mean, that that does nothing but, you know, helps the conference. I mean, uh, I can easily see ESPNU deciding to do a double header for, you know, first, I guess, first the MIAC, the MIAC championship game, then the SWAC championship game. But just oh, a missed course. opportunity be there. A wonderful concept for them to do that as a double header and market it that way. Makes nothing but sense, right? But a lot of times there are a lot of decisions that are made that are head scratchers. And it just boggles my mind. Why won't they do such a thing? But again... You know, hopefully it's an it's a idea and a concept that they look to address. Yeah, exactly. And I guess for the foreseeable future, um, I guess I wouldn't say the MIAC's on life support. I do think that things that the Tide has kind of, um, I mean, kind of, you know, it's calmer, I think. Um, I mean, the, the Howard to the CAA talk has, has subsided, uh, I mean, and it looks like to be set aside for the foreseeable future. But, I mean, it, it's just it, – it doesn't help that you're behind your peer conference considerably in terms of revenue and, and exposure. So uh, maybe they make that up in other ways. Maybe they lean on, on men's basketball because, I mean, they definitely do have the edge of men's basketball, I think. I, I mean, when I think about Watermark uh, – I think of watermark HBCU programs. I think about North Carolina Central, Norfolk State, um, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, geez, I forgot who uh, who even won the MEAC this year. Man, shame on me. But uh, oh, it was um, it was North it was Norfolk uh, State that won it. Yeah, Norfolk State. Okay, I was about to say that even then, like none of them made it. But even still, like you have teams participating in uh, the postseason too. Aside from them, like you have, um, you know, yeah, Morgan Maryland State was Shore. and yeah. Eastern Shore played in a game too. Um, but you, you also have uh, key coaches within that conference um, with uh, – God, I was about to call him by his nickname. I know he is not going to like that at all. Um, but, of course, with, uh, with with Juan Dixon over at Central – not Central, but uh, with, over at Coppin State. And then you have uh, Coach Matlock over at, um, at South Carolina State. And um, I'm trying to remember – um, right now, Howard's basketball um, head coach, and, and it's it's horrible that it is escaping me at this very moment. Um, that would be um, Kenny Blakely, or Kenny Blakeney. I'm sorry, um, and I, I should know that, being that he is a local product, he's a PC kid um, coming from this area. But yeah, with with, with Blakeney, um, Juan Dixon, uh, Matt Lockdown in South Carolina State. And then, like you said, with, with Robert Jones in Norfolk State, um, Moton over in Central, and, and then the emergence of, of Morgan State as well. They are extreme. They're they they're, they're eight deep, really. With, well, I'm sorry, seven deep, um, with the exception of Delo, um, Delaware State. And I'm not trying to throw shade at them for going winless within the conference this past season. But you got seven teams in that conference that are looked at as um, being contenders in the near future, if they're not a contender, at least turning their program around um, soon with the um, the greatness of, of their coaches and their potential of um, recruiting well to turn that program around too. Yeah, so I mean, the future is bright er uh, in the in the MIAC basketball and swag, but I mean that's that's not what people say. I mean that's not what people see in terms of you know I guess the big picture of sports. Everyone always looks to football, whether it's always looks at not, football. Yeah, know? yeah, right. But, uh, you know, if you, if you are of, of my age, you know, especially within this region, you tend to think of the – you are always reminded of the Big East Conference and their dominance, especially within this um, this landscape here in, in the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast 
especially primarily for basketball because they weren't necessarily known for their football programs. And it looks like that there's an opportunity in a space for the MEAC to potentially end up competing. And it's sad that I'm saying this because it's not sad that it's a D2 program because, of course, the CIAA has a rich history in basketball, but it looks like the MEAC will probably end up um, competing against the CIAA in terms of looking to regain its prominence um, in basketball that it, it once had it was most definitely in the 80s and early 90s. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it, it is sad. I mean, you know, the same region as well. And I mean, great programs too, as uh, as you covered this this spring earlier with the uh, the CIA tournament. But again, um, we'll see. We'll see if the MIAC uh, hangs its hat um, on basketball in the future while the SWAC continues to just sort of almost – um, I want to say, I guess, set up, set up, I guess, uh, outposts, you know, in uh, throughout the country in these big cities with their games. Um, almost feels like a barnstorming tour, um, you know, with some with some of these classics. I do expect them, oh. to, yeah, to be in the Chicago Classic, um, Chicago, Chicago Football Classic, uh, if that game's played this year. Uh, I'm not so sure about the uh, Circle City Classic, but they've made their rounds to that too. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, they get grabbed up for those classics. But uh, we will see. Um, the uh, the St. Louis the gate it's a, it's such a long name the St. Louis River City Classic <laughs> yes. the St. Louis River City Classic uh, you know interesting game this year I'm excited for it. I'm sure a lot of people are too uh, you know other than the reason to uh, to make a an excuse to go to St. Louis you know check that off my list uh, but uh, yeah an exciting game uh, we'll see we'll see if it's here to stay but you know I mean yeah very intriguing um, Dwayne do you have anything else to add? Yeah, uh, to your point, and well, first and foremost, let me get to the whole, uh, it's just that, that whole soapbox of, of the MEAC not having a, a conference championship game. And of course, the, the, the fact that they're missing out with not having that game um, fiscally. But again, you know, for those who have seen me, uh, not just here, but in, in, in the other venues as well, they know that I enjoy chaos in terms of uh, competition. And we already discussed once before, Oh my God, the ability to have a tie within that conference. And it's something that is not new within the MEAC in terms of having a tie. And God forbid you somehow have it, if not a two, but a three or four way. Well, it's not going to be a four way tie. At most, it'll end up being a two way tie within the conference. Um, for a chance to go to the Celebration Bowl again, when you could have a, a championship game, and now you only have eight teams, of course, it's going to cause an issue. But Moving on from that, get back to the main point, which is, of course, the uh, the, 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 the Gate City. Well, I'm sorry. The, um, it is not the Gate City. God, we, you just said it. Oh, this long-ass name. Uh, the classic in St. Louis that's going to be in the Jones Dome. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's going to be an opportunity for the city of St. Louis and, 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 the, and the, uh, the neighboring areas to generate revenue by having an HBCU event there. And it's something that, of course, cities like Atlanta, uh, Charlotte, Baltimore have all benefited from when they have their, these HBCU events there. So we'll check and see exactly how that actually performs for them. And if it's something that, that actually does benefit them it's going to be something that, that 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 region will be clamoring for within the future and hopefully it does work out and i'm going to be um extremely intrigued to see how this game it, it, it turns out fiscally for that area and whether or not 
having it on a Sunday, an NFL Sunday at that, um, against two, yes, conference opponents, but not necessarily, well, within my eyes at least, huge rivals competing in this game in, in the um, in the city of St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That last point, um, I mean, you mean to tell me that people aren't clamoring for uh, for a, a rematch of the 2021 Spring uh, SWAC Championship game? But um, I but, know, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was an electric game, but definitely uh, one, I guess, sort of that comes with the nat. And asterisk to some, whether, whether wrong or not, I guess, especially given uh, Pine Bluff's performance in uh, in the fall um, this past well, this, year. Well, the same could be said about Alabama A&M, too. So uh, uh, it, it, my, that's the only thing is if this game would have been played last year, it would have come with a lot more fanfare. And, and, and now not I'm not going to call it an afterthought just yet because we, we really don't know. We have to wait and see exactly how these two fan bases and the SWAC as a conference um, looks to promote this game. Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's not an afterthought yet, but again, yeah, you kind of you kind of wish that they capitalized on, on last year uh, for sure. And I mean, I'm not going to say anything about Alabama A&M because, uh, you know, we did have uh, Troy Lenve, the punter uh, on the podcast in the spring. So can't, can't say anything about uh, about that title. Big moment for the program. But yeah. Um, we, we will see if it, if it does draw, um, and maybe if, uh, they, they're forced to, I guess the organizers in St. Louis are forced to adjust their approach and focus on either regional opponents or national brands, but will be interesting, interesting to see for sure. Um, that's really all I have to say, Dwayne, do you have anything else to add? No, not at all. And like you, you won't hear me say anything bad about Alabama A&M either, because of course, coach Maynard. You know, pretty cool with me in the past. And also the fact that he is also an Aggie alum like myself. So, yeah, you won't necessarily hear me say anything. Neg- well, that's a lie. Let me stop lying now. Um, <laughs> I was about to say you won't hear me say anything bad about. Um, uh, let me say I, you won't hear me say anything disparaging about A&T alums and the university um, in public. But I may see some things that people might not like. But, yeah, yeah that's a little bit different. I, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, all I'll say is, um, you know, talking about the two teams that were in this that were in the SWAC championship in the spring and um, the uh, and Alabama A and M's uh, national championship uh, in the spring, you won't hear me use uh, use the name of a, of a two word uh, Disney character before uh, to describe those uh, those championships. You won't hear me. You won't hear me say that because a championship's a championship. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a championship is a championship. It is in a year where everyone, with the exception of all courts, they competed within that that season. So yeah, I'm I'm not going to disparage them for that either. And they played extremely well. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, with that, I guess on that positive note, um, thank thanks uh for coming on, Dwayne. Always always a pleasure. Always enjoy chopping it up. Um, and until next time, everyone. Uh, peace, love, and soul. And in honor of those two words, you won't say. See you real soon. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, there there we go.